Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of UFOs and the Paranormal Over Our Heads. I'm your host, Preston Dennett, and each week we bring you exciting new guests to talk about various aspects of UFOs and the Paranormal. And tonight, boy, do we have an exciting show. Uh, last week we did have a repeat show, but uh, the, sh- the week before that we had a very interesting guest, Dr. Charles V. Tremont. And he talked about past lives and healing and how they're intimately related and how the evidence for past lives has now mounted to such a degree that there is pretty much conclusive proof that past lives and reincarnation, is there's something to it. These people who are being hypnotized are speaking in foreign languages. And he's able to verify people's past lives through hypnosis and heal all kinds of conditions, including so-called chronic conditions. So I think past life regression is going to be on the forefront of alternative healing in the future. I really do. At least that's what the research is showing now. So it's a very interesting show. If you didn't get a chance to listen to it, remember all the shows are archived on the BDS website. Check it out. It's pretty darn interesting stuff. Tonight, we're moving in an interesting direction, and I'm really excited about it because I don't think I've ever done a show about this particular topic yet in the three years I've been doing this show. And uh, I'm actually very interested in this particular topic because uh, I wrote about it in my book, Supernatural California. And what we're going to be talking about tonight is the legend of J.C. Brown and the possibility that he discovered an underground city beneath Mount Shasta. Our guest tonight, his name is Stephen Sindoni, that's S-I-N-D-O-N-I, He actually grew up in New York City, but uh, made his way to the West Coast and uh, to Mount Chasta, where he came across the legend of J.C. Brown, this man who discovered, apparently, as the evidence seems to indicate, a city beneath Mount Chasta, filled with all kinds of stuff that, well, we're going to have to talk about. And uh, Stephen has been actually studying this uh, subject for many years and has put quite a bit of uh, research into this particular legend of J.C. Brown, um, which I know about, actually, and I'm, I dare say I'll call it more than a legend because I'm very, very impressed by the evidence that's coming out about Mount Shasta. So I want you all to give a nice, big, warm welcome to our esteemed guest tonight, Stephen Sindoni. Stephen, thank you so much for coming on to the show. Well, thank you, Preston, for having me on tonight. <clears throat> yeah, now, th- this is a very interesting subject. As I said, you know, I, I grew up mostly here in California. Um, I I did come actually from Chicago originally, Illinois, but uh, not long after we moved here, let me see, it was 1971, I I heard about Mount Chasta, and I have visited the area, and I'm shocked by how much is going on there. I mean, there's UFO stuff, there's a whole bunch of Bigfoot reports, all kinds of mystical stuff, and and these reports of underground cities. I put a whole chapter on this in my book, so I'm just delighted to have you on the show tonight to talk about this this guy I know. Now, how did you fall into, you know, studying Mount Chasta and this legend? Well, originally in December of 2007, I had just finished writing a screenplay and decided to look on the internet to search for an interesting story that I could write about. And it was then that I stumbled upon the legend of J.C. Brown. The story appeared in a book written by author Emily A. Frank entitled Mount Chasta's California's Mystic Mountain. After becoming fascinated by the story, I decided I would go to the New York Public Library to investigate the legend. 
The legend of J.C. Brown is a baffling story, Preston. It's about a man who appears in the editor's office of a Stockton Record newspaper in 1934 and claims he's discovered a, uh, an ancient city, a Lemurian treasure, while prospecting in the uh, Mount Shasta area 30 years earlier while working for the Lord Cowdery Mining Company of England as a geologist. Right. Now, the editor of the Stockton Record, the newspaper, uh, brings in the curator of the uh, Hagen Museum, uh, Harry Noyce Pratt, and they question Brown closely, going over all the details of this bizarre story. Uh, convinced, after hearing his story, that he's telling the truth, they decide that they want to uh, get an uh, expedition together to go up to Mount Shasta to search for the, uh, the treasures. J.C. Brown claimed that he had spent over 30 years searching for ancient records pertaining to Lemurians, and his mental picture of the hieroglyphics in the tunnel village had convinced him he had found the lost link in the, in the story of civilization. He then told them he believed that the golden antiquities he had found were those of the Lemurians and their descendants. Brown even promised to provide a yacht to transport the group as far north as they could by water. Wow. So uh, at that point, uh, 80 eager Stockton residents, including a newspaper editor, newspaper, and the museum curator, a retired printer, several scientists, and other solid citizens formed a group, and they planned for six weeks to investigate the tunnel with J.C. Brown. The meetings were held at the home of a group organizer by the name of John C. Root, and he was a retired printer. The man who called himself J.C. Brown claimed that in 1904, while employed with the Lord Cowdery Mining Company of London, England, he was hired to prospect for precious metals in the Goldbarren region, and while he was there, he ran into a section of rock in the face of a cliff which didn't seem to match the surrounding formation. While examining the curious stone, he noticed it blocked the entrance to what appeared to be a cave. Brown, being a geologist by trade, thought the entire scene was unnatural, and he began to dig out the mouth of the cave, which was full of debris and vegetation. When he began to see that it was not a small cave at all, and after much digging, he found himself in a tunnel, which curved downward in the mountain. He was then equipped with lanterns and miners' paraphernalia, and went out to set to explore it. Three miles from the mouth of the tunnel, he struck a gold section containing gold-bearing ore, and further on he struck another gold section where an ancient race apparently had mined copper, he said. He believed that he had uh, found, you know, a, uh, an ancient uh, mined gold area, and uh, as he continued looking, he saw that it outcropped the other parts of the mountain the decline continued for approximately 11 miles inside the mountain. Wow. And interestingly enough, he found what he called a village. There at the village, he discovered there were two rooms filled with copper and gold tablets, about three to four inches in concave, and so that they lay one inside the other. The rooms that he found were literally full of these plates, all inscribed neatly. And that's not all he found, Preston. They were they were inscribed with uh, let me see hieroglyphics is that right as I if I remember correctly yes, or some type of language yes oh, hieroglyphics wow the walls were lined with tempered copper and hung with shields and the pieces were made of gold and some of the golden plates he found uh, were engraved certain drawings and hieroglyphics uh, 
They were tempered gold spears and other objects made of gold. So he found quite a bit of items that uh, that, that led him to believe that it was a, a civilization uh, long past. Very he also found rooms that opened to, into other chambers, one of which appeared to have a, a place of worship. And then in addition, he found 13 statues made of copper and gold and a large sun design which protruded golden streamers. The way the objects were strewn about, he had the feeling that the occupants of the underground village had left on the spur of the moment, and he believed that he was not alone. Wow. Can you imagine what he must have felt going through here, discovering this? Well, uh, and then he came upon a very uh, macabre scene, uh, Preston. In one chamber, he counted 27 skeletons. Yes, I remember which this. Was, yeah, six foot six inches, and the largest stretching out to be more than 10 feet. Yeah, and they were Two like bodies, they were dressed up in robes, as I remember, yes. colorful robes. Two of the bodies were mummified in robes, each clad in colorful, ornate robes, and uh, he believed that uh, the, they were the king and queen of uh, Lemuria. He believed the, the queen was uh, Queen Etrusiana. He spent many days exploring the hieroglyphics and uh, indelibly imprinting them in his mind. Uh, he was very excited about this great archaeological find, and he decided to leave the tunnel and its contents exactly as he had found them, and then he would return later on. But first, uh, I guess he cleverly concealed the entrance of the tunnel and marked it on a map exactly where it was on the mountain so he knew we could go back to it. Wow. So after telling this story um, to the, the, all the individuals in the group, he had also told them that uh, in the process of his travels up to Mount Shasta, he had been kidnapped before and that uh, he was lucky to come away with his life. He also claimed that uh, he had been staying at the federal shelter and that the reason why he was staying there, that if people knew that he was a millionaire, they would have kidnapped him. So he claimed to be a very wealthy man at that time. He claimed to be worth $40 million in uh, 1934 when he appeared at the Stockton record. Wow. So after six weeks, Preston, of... Uh, meetings morning and night, the group would, would, would leave on June 19th at 1 p.m. to go up to Mount Shasta. Eighty Stockton citizens waited at the designated time for their leader to appear. The Stockton police were called in, but no trace of the man was found because J.C. Brown had completely vanished. Hmm. The 80 people waited in vain for him that June day, and they believed the authenticity of his story, and they believed in the existence of the vast tunnel in Mount Shasta filled with the golden artifacts. So after reading this story, Preston, I was, as I mentioned earlier, quite fascinated, and I decided to, uh, to take the clues that I had learned of the legend and follow them up in the New York Public Library. Okay. Some of the clues uh, were, uh, was there a Lord Cowdray Mining Company? And lo and behold, I found that there was an actual Lord Cowdray Mining Company. Okay. The next thing that I, I wanted to find out was, was there a Lord Cowdray? Did, you know, and uh, I did a Google search, believe it or not. Yes, there was a Lord Cowdray. So now I'm... Yeah, now I'm looking further, and I said, okay, well, <clears throat> who was Lord Cowdray? Well, I found out that Lord Cowdray 
was born Sir Wheatman Pearson, and he was knighted later on and became the first Viscount Cowdray, which made him Lord Cowdray, but he was born Lord Sir Wheatman Pearson. So I realized that that's why probably the legend remained a legend, because here we are talking about someone who was knighted and who wasn't born Lord Cowdray. His name is Sir Wheatman Pearson. Hmm. So after discovering this, I realized that the individual that I found, Lord Cowdray, was a, a Brit from, from, from England, and he wasn't an American. So the next thing I decided to do was look at all the border crossings into the United States from either uh, Canada, you know, California, New York, or Mexico to see if I could track the, uh, <clears throat> you know, Lord Cowdray coming into America. Well, lo and behold, I was able to track him coming in in 1904, just as the legend stated uh, in J.C. Brown's legend. And when I found he came in in 1904, I also found on the records three other individuals that he traveled with. Huh. Wow. So the story is just giving more and more evidence as you go on. It's, instead of disproving it, you're showing that it appears to be true. Well, yeah, because when I first looked at the story, Preston, I was I thought I was writing about a man who was a charlatan, who's a crook, and who had st stolen money from the 80 people that he had left waiting there, um, you know, uh, to go up to Mount Shasta. Because when the police went to investigate the evidence, they wanted to know how much money did the man, J.C. Brown, steal from, from everybody here that's waiting. And uh, everyone said nothing. Uh, he claimed to be a millionaire, and he claimed that we would be going up to uh, Mount Shasta at his expense. And everyone believed that the old man was telling the truth. Wow. This is, it's an incredible story. And uh, do, we, do, do we have any idea what happened to him at all? Well, I will, I'll share that with you now. Uh, so when I realized that, that Lord Cowdery did enter uh, the, from uh, Mexico in 1904, I found the other individuals he came in with. I decided, well, was Lord Cowdery actually the J.C. Brown who shows up in 1934 at the Stockton Record? So I was able to go to a different library in New York, and I was able to get the um, memoirs of Sir Wheatman Pearson or Lord Cowdery. He happened to be a geologist, so I was <laughs> able to uh, get a journal of the Institute of Civil Engineers, and in that book I was able to find records of uh, Sir Wheatman Pearson or Lord Cowdery. And I learned at that time that Lord Cowdery died in 1927, and he could not be the man who showed up in 1934 at the Stockton Record claiming to be J.C. Brown. Clearly. Right. So at that point, I put my thinking cap on this as well. Could it possibly have been one of Lord Cowdrey's lieutenants? Because in the legend, I reread the legend again, the man, J.C. Brown, claims that he worked his whole life for the Lord Cowdrey Mining Company and that he waited until he retired because he didn't want Lord Cowdrey himself to lay claim to this treasure. So at that point, I figured I was looking for a lieutenant. And there was the clue that I needed. In the uh, memoirs of Lord Cowdery, so Wheatman Pearson, I was able to find three other men that were his lieutenants. And I then searched their lives. And lo and behold, when I went back to the other library in New York to check the border crossings, 
I then found a second border crossing in 1907 of one of the lieutenants by the name of J.B. Body, who brought with him three other geologists that all worked for the Lord Cowdray Mining Company, who were working at that time out of Mexico, and they came into the United States together. Once I realized that J.B. Body was, in fact, J.C. Brown, I then tracked the rest of his border crossings in through Mexico and found him coming in 12 additional times between the years 1904 and 1918 through uh, the Laredo, Texas border. Wow. What was quite interesting, Preston, was that after 1907, J.B. Body came back in again through Mexico, but on his third trip into the United States, when he was asked on the paperwork, had he ever entered the United States, he said no. Hmm. <laughs> Which I found very interesting because here it is. I realize why is he lying about being in the United States? He's already been in the country two times previously, one with right. his boss, so Wheatman Pierce and Lord Cowdray, and then, then three years later in 1907 with three other, other engineers from the Lord Cowdray Mining Company. So here I realized, I realized, wait a minute, something here is, is not right. Right, clearly. So as I went through the border crossing records, I looked at the names of the men, and the men he brought in with him was C.M. Yeomans, a civil engineer, John McLaughlin, another civil engineer, Fred Kleisner, a third civil engineer, and he even brought in his valet, John Gilmartin, with him which proved to me that he was, you know, a very wealthy man to bring in his ballet with him in 1907 into the United States to the Laredo, Texas border. Not only that, I mean, he's pretty uh, well-educated as well with bringing all these pretty high-level people. Well, exactly right. And uh, so once I, I determined that I did have the right man, the age of, of J.C. Brown or... J.B. Body, when he appeared in, in uh, 1934, matched the description that they gave in the legend in Emily A. Frank's uh, book, uh, Mount Shasta, California's Magic Mountain. So everything that I read was making sense uh, about it. After I realized that I, I believed I had the right man, I contacted the uh, Stockton Police Department in Stockton, California, and I asked to speak to... Uh, a detective there because I wanted to solve the missing persons report. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, when I when I spoke to the detective, he told me, "Well, that you know that case has been closed, you know, many years ago." So I then contacted the Stockton Record newspaper, and uh, I was uh, put in touch with uh, Michael Fitzgerald, who was a columnist for the uh, Stockton Record. And uh, once I chatted with uh, Michael, he uh, wanted to interview me immediately because he had written a piece 11 years earlier for the Stockton Record about Lemuria. And uh, once I went into the particulars of the story, he was very much interested uh, to hear what I had to say. At this point, Preston, I didn't have the actual 1934 newspaper article. All I had to go on was Emily A. Frank's book, The Mount Shasta, California's Mystic Mountain. But after divulging things that only I could have known if I had the 1934 original newspaper, 
he then realized that I must have been on the right track because I did not have a copy of that newspaper article. Only after I divulged to him the information that I had did he then send me a copy of the article. But he was, he was very impressed by the fact that nowhere in Emily A. Frank's book did he explain that uh, the man was worth over $40 million. And the man that I found, in fact, was. Wow. Now, now didn't uh, J.C. Brown write a book about his um, experiences? No, he did not. He did not write a book about it. Um, he, uh, hmm. as I said, he, he was paranoid in the fact that he had been kidnapped and a number of times. And in the 1934 newspaper article, he mentioned that after he retired, he decided that uh, his family decided that they wanted to come with him back to uh, Mount Shasta to uh, search for the treasure. And one by one, they mysteriously uh, died. And he then had another, um, as he called it, automobile accident. And uh, so I think he probably got very uh, disappointed in the fact that he was not able to really pursue, you know, this legend in uh, finding this tunnel because there were elements that did not want him to uh, bring this uh, to light. Do you have any idea who these elements were? I mean, who, why, or who was trying to stop him from finding the stuff? No, I, I, I don't know. I'm just saying this is what he said, but he, uh -huh. he said there were people that did not want this information to become public. Wow. Well, that's an interesting story. Well, you know, you know, in my book, as I mentioned in the um, begin introduction of the program, I did a lot of research on Mount Shasta, and I heard about his story too. And I approached it not by researching his story in particular, but I'm um, trying to locate others, other people who made similar claims. And there's got to be five or ten people who ha have very, very similar stories to uh, what uh, this guy is saying. So that, that's what I find real, really interesting. I also found out that uh, Mount Shasta itself has some pretty unusual properties. It's one of the younger mountains in the United States, only 700,000 years, which is really young for a mountain. And that's incredibly symmetrical, which is sort of interesting. And it also stands alone, which is really rare for a volcanic mountain. And uh, these are just facts that, you know, I think kind of play into the possibility or the probability that there is, in fact, some sort of underground city there but yeah are were you are were you able to uh, investigate any of the other accounts of people who claim to have uh, found stuff in there well uh, not at this point I am I'm investigating other legends uh, while here in California but this particular one after I came out the information I then uh, went on uh, coast to coast with George Norrie to go public with it and then last year I, I decided to come out to Mount Shasta to uh, to start investigating myself, but this year I actually was able to uh, find the actual entrance to the tunnel, uh, which I believe is the actual entrance that J.B. Body found uh, in 1907. Well, that's exciting news. So, to my understanding, there are several entrances. At least, you know, I'm here in a Canoga Park, and uh, I found an account where a man in nearby Topanga Canyon said that he was actually transported from there into a tunnel that led to Mount Chasta, which God knows if it's true, but there sure is a lot of people talking about this stuff. And I, I wonder if you could talk a little bit about the artifacts that, you know, 
have apparently come out because there are pictures of them in a, a Neil Frank's book. And uh, there's a, one on your website as well, um, which is very interesting. So I mean, this is hard evidence. Do we, is, do we have any idea where some of these uh, artifacts are? Well, uh, J.C. Brown or J.D. Body claimed in the legend that he had a, a vault in a Texas bank where he kept some of these artifacts. And uh, through my research, uh, I realized I found that there was uh, a bank, uh, Laredo National Bank, that was there at the border near Laredo, Texas, where I believe was the bank where he kept the vault because he had to go back over the border, so he had to be very careful as to what he brought back with him. But I believe that the bank, and he did have the vault, was the Laredo National Bank in Laredo, Texas, on San Bernardino Avenue. Very interesting. Well, everyone, you're listening to UFOs and the Paranormal Over Our Heads. I'm your host, Preston Dennett, and tonight we're speaking with our guest, Stephen Sindoni, who has done an enormous amount of research into this le legend of J.C. Brown, or uh, what is it, J.C. Body? J.B. Body. John Benjamin Body. Who has apparently uh, discovered this uh, underground city beneath Mount Shasta. Very interesting stuff. I want to remind everyone that this is a call-in show, so if you'd like to give us a call and ask a question of our guest, please do. I'll give you the toll-free number right now. It's 888-228-4494. There's international numbers as well on the website if you're uh, out of the country and listening in, but... Uh, one for the continental United States is 888-228-4494. Give us a call. We'd love to hear from you. Okay, now, uh, so you, you think you may have found this actual uh, entrance to on, on the mountain itself? You've explored the mountain, and I, I would presume quite extensively. Well, based on what I learned about uh, the legend, I uh, found something very interesting. When I was Asking myself the question, why would a man who was working in uh, Mexico as a civil engineer building the, uh, the railroads there and working uh, for Lloyd Caldre Company come up to Mount Shasta if he was not American? What purpose would, would, would bring him up there? And lo and behold, uh, I found out there was a, uh, it was called the Shasta Springs Resort, which claimed it was the greatest water on earth and it was where the elite would go to to stay at this resort to drink the water on the property. And my research led me to believe that Lord Cowdray in 1904 and J.B. Body and two other gentlemen came up by train through the Laredo, Texas border up to stay at the Shasta Springs Resort, got off the train in Dunsmuir, went up to the resort, stayed at the resort, and while at the resort, they saw this unusual rock formation. Lord Cowdray asked J.B. Body to come back with three other engineers, which he did in 1907, and in 1907 is when he found the tunnel in its unusual rock formation. And I determined that near the Shasta Springs Resort is where I should look in a 15-mile radius. And uh, three weeks ago, I started my... my uh, my search for that, which is interest, interesting enough, I, uh, in, in December of last year, I uh, got an email from someone, 
I had joined a group, it was called uh, Mysteries of Mount Shasta, and someone, when they knew who I was, they sent me this email, and the email was uh, by a man named Brad who claimed that while hiking in the Dunsmuir area, he and his daughter discovered an unusual balsamic basalt rock formation that had two doors on it that he claimed that a Lemurian popped out of and asked him and his daughter if he wanted to come in. After reading this and seeing a picture of the photo, I found it quite amazing that this claim was one that I wanted to investigate when I came to Mount Shasta. So I then went into the town of Dunsmere and uh, asked the elders about the man uh, who claimed to be the uh, descendant of, of the Van Fossen family. I was able to find Brad's real name, his email, and his phone number, and I was able to get in contact with him and find out where this property lied. At this point, I was able to get on this property, which is a private property, and find the actual tunnel that I have on my website for all to see. Wow. So, yeah, that's what's on. Wow, that's incredible. Jeez. Well, what's more incredible, on the actual uh, basalt rock formation, there are three petroglyph faces on there that are that are ancient in nature, that are petroglyphs that prove to me, with a shadow of a doubt, that I did find the right rock formation. The rock formation is exactly, Preston, 11 miles from Mount Sh the base of Mount Shasta, which is, a, which is what J.C. Brown claims in his legend. Look at that. Wow. That's incredible. I mean, this is, a, this is an, a huge story, much bigger than I realized. Wow. Well, that's why I, I decided to put up a YouTube video um, entitled Solving the Legend of J.C. Brown for people to actually see the photos of this unusual rock formation and to hear my story based on what I learned uh, by coming out to Mount Shasta to uh, do my own you know, investigation. Right, right. So do, do you suppose, I mean, there are a number of people who are seeing these uh, Lemurians. So apparently this city is still active. Is, is, would that be your understanding? I mean, I know you're, oh. I'm asking you to speculate here, but... Uh, I, I, I don't want to speculate on what... I'm one of those guys, uh, <laughs> I live in the 3D. If I see it, feel it, touch it. Uh, I, I am of the opinion, though, that based on what I've learned, that there is artifacts of an ancient civilization that exists under the base of Mount Shasta. Whether there is a civilization there that is right now, you know, alive, that I can't tell you, but I, I can tell you that based on what I've learned, there is an ancient civilization that predates uh, the 12,000-year timeline, which leads me to believe that uh, man has been on the North American continent more than 30,000 years or better. Wow. Well, according to author Wishar Survey, he wrote a book about uh, this area in 1931, and he said that yes, he wrote the lost continent of the Pacific. Yes, I'm very familiar. Right, right. That there was the Lemurians were an advanced civilization that suffered a fatal disaster about 12,000 years ago and uh, survived by going under Mount Shasta. And it's really interesting because he tells accounts of uh, these very tall, 
graceful-looking people wearing unusual clothes, wearing headdresses with special decorations that come all the way to the bridge of the nose, and they would trade for goods using uh, gold nuggets and gold dust for supplies and things like this. Well, so this, I can stories... tell you firsthand, Preston, that I've uh, been uh, in, in touch with uh, Native elders who have told me that uh, they've been on this continent more than 12,000 years, and they are descendants of the people that have gone underground. So, I mean, I've heard this firsthand from elders. And uh, because the Native American's history is an oral history, it's one that is, is not written, but it is one that is still known by the elders and still, you know, uh, widely accepted to be believed that, you know, they are descendants of, uh, of the people who were here long before, uh, the Native, you know, the North Americans or the, or the colonists who came here thereafter. Uh, you know, I had a friend who had a really unusual experience on Mount Chasta. He's actually really tall and fair, and uh, if you stretch it, kind of has the appearance of a Lemurian, right? So, and he was hiking, and he says he unaccountably fell asleep, and when he woke up, his hair had been braided with all sorts of flowers and uh, twigs and sticks and things like this, all done up, all in some sort of a weird hairdress. He had no idea what it could mean, but it... I just think it's fascinating because it matches up with the accounts of what Lemurians look like. So just a just a weird story. I thought I'd throw that out there, but it's it's firsthand. So you know, there's a lot of stories coming out of there, which is just fascinating. Well, as I said, uh, the legend of J.C. Brown is one that I uh, I'm a firm believer in now that I've come 3,000 miles to to take what I've learned on paper and to actually find what I believe is the uh, unusual rock formation. And uh, I uh, unequivocally believe that, you know, there are things that uh, will come to light and uh, it's going to take people who are open-minded to believe that, that civilization has been around much longer than the accepted views. Right. Well, I, I wrote about that, in fact, in my... Uh book Supernatural California. There's the mysterious walls of Oak, Oakland. There's a bunch of really interesting stuff. But uh, my question to you is, you know, this tunnel in, in Dunsmuir, did did you, I mean, how far down does it go? Were you able to explore it? Is this, well, at this point right now, because it's on private property, I will tell you that I do not want to divulge at this point exactly where this um, tunnel sure, entrance yeah. is located. Sure. I will tell you, though, I would have to get permission from the, uh, the people that own the property in order for any uh, further exploration to take place. Oh, so you have no idea how, how deep this corridor goes? Well, I know that it, it, it would go back 11 miles. It was spiraled down with 11 miles underneath Mount Shasta. I know, uh, based on what J.C. Brown said, how wide it is. Right. and uh, how high the tunnel is. And after seeing it, and I feel if, uh, if the viewers would go on my, uh, my website, stephensindoni.webs.com, stephensindoni.webs.com, they'll be able to see the actual uh, video I put up called Solving the Legend of J.C. Brown, and I give a little clue as to where it is, and uh, they'll be able to see the actual rock formation and uh, learn about the fascinating uh, find that I, uh, I came across. Mm, this is great stuff. Wow. So, I mean, where, where do you plan on taking this into the future? I mean, 
certainly you can't stop researching this stuff now. You're, geez, you're, it's just amazing what the stuff you've discovered. Well, right now, <clears throat> I've just written a, uh, a screenplay for a movie called The Legend of J.C. Brown, and uh, I'm now in the process of writing the book, uh, which I'll probably start in September, on some of the things we've talked about, my journey and coming out to California, what I've learned as a result. Uh, I've also um, decided to do the legends of Mount Shasta. There's a number of other legends that uh, I've uncovered with the Emily A. Frank book, so I'll be delving into some of the other legends as well. Um, one of them in particular would be the uh, Castle Craig's petroglyphs, which, uh, which show unusual symbols that... Uh, apparently are from an ancient civilization and uh, match pretty much uh, what I found on the usual rock formation. They were faces that I found on the rock formation uh, where J.C. Brown went into this tunnel. So once I found this tunnel that I believe was J.C. Brown's tunnel, on the tunnel, on the, if the, the salt rock facing, I was able to find three prehistoric type faces that were chiseled into the rock. Hmm. Wow. Which I do have photos of, and I will be putting up on my website or my YouTube site in the next couple of weeks. Um, my YouTube site, for any, anyone listening who would like to go to that, where I, uh, I have a lot of other different stories as well, would be Sindoni, uh, S-I-N-D-O-N-I, revealed, R-E-V-E-A-L-E-D-53 dot YouTube, Y O U tube.com and uh, they'll be able to see uh, that and more of the stories that I, I get involved researching. It's just a, it's a fascinating area. I mean, some of the stories that I heard about there in 1931, Professor Edgar Lucen Larkin, who is director of Mount Low Observatory, was looking through his telescope at the mountain and said, said he saw this golden glittering dome you know, such like you would find on top of an oriental-type building. And uh, he thought it was an op optical illusion or a trick of light, and so he kept his telescope trained on this thing. And uh, as the light changed, this golden dome remained. And uh, he observed two other golden domes, which he said appeared to be like of a marble-type structure. And uh, he saw lights around this at one point as well. And uh, this is something that Wishar, Wishar Survey wrote about in his book. And it apparently remained visible for more than a week. And just so much other weird stuff like this going on. Like in 1931, this guy was deer hunting on the northeast side of Mount Shasta. And he was wandering yes. around. He became lost. and That was he, a friend of Abraham Mansfield, I believe. Right. He, he, he confronts a... He finds this guy and says... Uh, I'm, who says he's a Lemurian. So you're familiar with this story as well? Yes, I, I have, if you, on my website on sindonireveal53.youtube.com, I've written that story there, uh, and I've given you a, a eight or nine minute excerpt from Emily A. Frank's book on that. I do a narration on that story, and it's from uh, Abraham Mansfield's book, The Golden Goddess of the Lemurians. That's right. So, so I, I've, I've, I've taken the, the time to painstakingly do the narration of that story as well, and also you mentioned the... Uh, the, sur the survey, um, the Wissar survey book, which I also have narrated as well on YouTube. So for anyone listening, if they'd like to listen to any of these legends that we're talking about, 
I've already uh, gone to the uh, task of putting them up on YouTube for everyone to uh, listen to and watch. Very good. And you have quite a, quite a website you got going on there. On the Thank you very much. I, uh, I've had some help with that. A good friend of mine, a dear, dear friend of mine, uh, Renee from L.A., has been very helpful with the... Uh, working with me to make sure the website had a very good representation. So I want to thank her publicly for uh, her help in uh, making the website palatable for everyone to uh, partake in. Hmm. Interesting. Well, I find it fascinating that so many people are reporting the same stuff beneath this. I mean, like, like Mansfield said, he saw as well gold-lined shafts and giant tables and chairs and a lot of golden artifacts. He saw a garden as well, um, I guess is your obviously aware of, but it's just amazing to me that so many people are seeing this stuff, like Guy Ballard in the autumn of 1930 said he also saw a uh, Lemurian while hiking on Mount Shasta who uh, offered him a cup of liquid and uh, uh, proceeded to say he was actually St. Germain. Just well, you know, you know, when you deal with the fifth dimension, so to speak, uh, people that appear and then disappear Pretty much, if you don't have their autograph or given something from them, you know it, it's a it's a tough concept to, to buy unless it happens to you. So, when I look at stories, uh, Preston, that are in the fifth dimension, uh, as I said, I, I take them with a grain of salt. But when we talk about the 3D, when you talk about artifacts, rocks, treasure, uh, you know, uh, jewels and things like that, stuff that you can hold in your hand, and those are the things that can't be disproved. Right. Well, you know, I'm primarily a UFO researcher. At least that's how I started out. And uh, so one of the things I really looked into was the UFO aspect of uh, Mount Shasta. And sure enough, it goes way back. I mean, Wish Our Survey has a bunch of reports in his book. But it, it continues up pretty much to the present day. So, uh, you know, and I actually had a sighting up there myself with my brother-in-law and my sister. Um, and we saw a light up in the sky and... Uh, we blinked a flashlight at it, a, a very bright flashlight, and this was in the middle of the night in the forest, and it blinked back at us, and we did it a couple of times. It was obviously responding, so it's, there's something definitely going on up there. Well, there's a lot of things that can't be explained, unfortunately, uh, and, uh, but the ones that can be explained here in the 3D are the ones that I've been working on. I mean, as I said, I'm, I'm, I'm a guy who lives in the 3D, and uh, so... But it's very difficult when you see something like yourself and uh, to be able to, uh, to make sense of it because if it's something you've never seen before and you're, and you're in a group of others or many others in some cases, then it, the explanation, you know, defies logic. Right, right. Well, it's a fascinating place. It's, and I guess it draw, does it draw a lot of uh, people um, who are interested in spirituality? I mean, that's considered one of the sacred spots of the the world, right? Well, Mount uh, Shasta does uh, draw a lot of people, you know, through spirituality in all shapes and forms, whether it be organized religion or uh, people who come here for their own spiritual quest. But yes, it is a, uh, a magical mountain, as most call it. Uh, and, well, you're you're really lucky to live there. And, you know, another another thing I did research on, as I mentioned briefly, is uh, Bigfoot and which I never actually really believed in, honestly, even though I've done a lot of research into ghosts and God knows a lot of other aspects of the paranormal. But I got drawn into it and found out, in fact, its evidence is overwhelming. And uh, that area is 
just one of the hot spots of the world. Which well, I have an interesting story if I have time to tell it. Uh, I was um, up in uh, Olympia, Washington last year, and uh, a friend introduced me to a Native American who told me an interesting story about a friend that lives uh, off the Olympia forest and uh, has a smoker where he would cook salmon. And uh, he had to modify the top of the smoker because supposedly Bigfoot would come and uh, would take the salmon before it was cooked. So he changed and modified the smoker and put a plexiglass top on it so that way when the, uh, the creature would come, he could see that the salmon was either cooked or not cooked, but if it was not cooked, to come back later and to get the salmon when it was cooked. So when I heard this, this story, I, you know, as I said, I took it with a grain of salt, but it was from an Indian elder, and uh, so if, if the, the animal does exist, then uh, this, this story would be, uh, you know, an interesting story, you know, for a, um, I guess for a, um, an evening conversation. All right, all right. Well, Mount Shasta has it all, and uh, if people want to learn more about it, they should definitely go to your website, which... If I'm correct, is your name, Stephen Sindoni, dot W-E-B-S dot com. Is that right, Stephen Sindoni dot webs dot com? Yes. Very good. Well, we, we, we do have uh, just a, like five minutes left, so I want to give you a chance to wrap up the story and, and uh, tell our listeners anything that we haven't covered and where you're going to be taking this. Year. You've written a screenplay and a, a book. That's really exciting. I mean... So what's next? Well, as I said, I, I am in the process of writing the book regarding this story. I'm uh, interested in things that, uh, from an archaeological standpoint uh, and historical, uh, uh, I guess, position, I'm looking at things and uh, with an open mind and uh, realizing that there are a lot of things that we don't understand, that we don't know and that there are things that uh, could be revealed if someone looks at it with an open mind. And uh, a mind's like a parachute. It'll only work if it's open, Preston. Sure, sure. Yeah, I think skepticism is one of the major stumbling blocks to spiritual enlightenment, honestly. People could be having out-of-body experiences if they would just believe in it and try the exercises. And there's all sorts of stuff people just don't believe in, so they just don't even try. So, uh, well, a man, a man convinced against his will is of the same opinion still. Uh, you need to be able to look at things and invite thought. And whether you believe it or not, uh, there's an old Indian saying, uh, you know, before you, you, you know, you, you judge someone, look, uh, spend a week in their moccasins. So uh, you need to investigate, do your own work, do your own research. As I'll tell the viewers and listeners right now, go to my website or listening right now, Believe 50% of what you hear and investigate the other 50% because somewhere in between lies the truth. <laughs> Very interesting. Well, Stephen, it's been a fascinating hour. Um, I want to thank you again for coming onto the show. I have an overwhelming amount of information, and I want to commend you on your uh, exhaustive research. It's just really remarkable. Well, I want to thank you very much for giving me the opportunity to share this with uh, your listenership tonight. Oh, our pleasure, believe me. So do you have a, a working title for your book yet? Is it The, the, the Legend of J.C. Well, Brown? It, it might be, or it could be the, uh, Solving the Legend of J.C. Brown, either or. I'll keep it simple because people will, will remember that long, you know, long after I'm gone, hopefully. 
Well, well it's quite a story, and I think it's, it's going to be a page turner, judging from uh, what you've shared with us tonight. So, uh, again, thank you. It was really quite a lot of information. Thank you so much. Well, President, I thank you very much, and hopefully uh, in the future we can do this again. I'll give you an update. Ah, definitely, because I want to find out what's at the end of these tunnels here, and if you get a chance to explore them. I mean, wow. Well, that's, that, that, that's the next uh, next mission on my to-do list. Great, great. Well, yeah, we'll definitely have to keep in touch then. All right, everyone, that is our show for tonight. You have been listening to UFOs and the Paranormal over our heads. I'm your host, Preston Dennett, and tonight our guest has been Stephen Sindoni. He's been doing some incredible research on the legend of J.C. Brown, the man who apparently discovered a an underground city beneath Mount Shasta. Apparently only one of several people, in fact, and uh, just fascinating research he has done on this, and if you want to find out more about it, I strongly encourage you to visit his website. There's really quite a lot of treasures there to uh, wade through. It's just amazing stories, and uh, some, some of the photos are just incredible. So uh, check it out. It's his name with uh, .webs.com, stephensindoni.webs.com. I'll spell it out, S-T-E-P-H-E-N-S-I-N-D-O-N-I.webs, which is W-E-B-S. Dot com. Check it out. I think you will be amazed as I was. Well, thank you all for listening. I hope you can join us next week when I bring on another exciting guest to talk about UFOs and the paranormal. Until then, have a wonderful evening and a great week. Bye now. <laughs>